Murder. Welcome to Death Do Us Part Podcast, hosted by my wife, Jamie. Hello. And myself, Mark. What up, y'all? Hey. Hey. Episode 100. We made it. Oh my God, it is 100. It is 100. I was just going to start talking about how I don't think my Sprite has all the syrup in it. No? No. A little flat? No, it's not flat. It's just a little seltzery, not 7-Uppy. Oh, usually fountain drinks are the way to go. And you have an issue with me saying fountain drink. I do. It's weird. what, What else would it be called? I don't know. I don't have an answer. I don't know. But it's called a fountain drink. I know, it's so. just weird. Uh, yeah, I guess. Mm. The pop machine? Yeah. Or soda machine? No, we don't say soda. Yeah, we Jesus don't say fuck. soda where we're at. No. No. But uh, yeah. the gas station has the best pop. I'm oh, a little mad, though. I'm sorry. I mean, mine I want, is. I want more for my dollar nineteen. I know. Mine is delicious. Just orange. Whatever. Orange soda. Soda Popinski. Mine's not. Womp womp. Womp Your Sprite is flat. It's not flat. It's just seltzery. Which means it's flat. No, it just doesn't have all the flavor. Seltzery. Yeah, it tastes so like, like a seltzer. Water? No, it tastes like a Truly. Ugh. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, that's weird. Not the Sprite legacy yeah. that I was hoping for. That's a fail. I know. God damn it. And they didn't have any wraps for me. I, usually I love their wraps. God, we're hillbillies. I, Fucking the gas station is the best place ever. Whatever. <laughs> it's been a day. Hey, oh, man, this morning. I just morning. fucking ugly cried in the parking lot of Five Guys because I hit my fucking head getting into the car. I'm sorry. Hard. I'm sorry about yeah. that, baby. So, and then this morning we forgot to fill my medicine, and yeah, I was at work. Started going through withdrawals, and man, it's been a day. I just want to go to sleep. I know. <laughs> and we got football practice coming up. Yep. That'll that'll make us happy. We like watching our our little man in football. I'm gonna so probably. And I got my binoculars. My I'm, binoculars came in one fucking day. I'm probably gonna fall asleep. That's all right. Yeah. Babe, can you believe my binoculars came in one day? No, I can't. They came in like two hours. I know. I'm so fucking pumped to use them. Oh, my God. You didn't Is get a stick on them. Is someone important calling? No. Okay. Spam? Yeah. I gotcha. It said Orland. Oh. So, no. My my hometown. Mm-hmm. The OP, Orland Park. Mm-hmm. Raise the roof. No. Don't do that. <laughs> so, babe... Episode 100. Can you fucking believe it? No. I feel like it took us forever to get here, though. Because it's been a little over two years now, right? Yeah, like, yeah. We've been doing this for a little over two years, so... Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's... It's been an adventure, and it's been a cool fucking adventure. it really has. The ride has been awesome. Yeah. Uh, everyone from the messages we get, you, you guys are fucking awesome. You are. Th- thank For you real. so fucking much. Yeah. We love you guys so much. And Patreons, thank you for supporting us. And just everyone out there, thank you for sharing, liking, yeah. following. 
guys are awesome. You you guys are are awesome, you know, and we really fucking enjoy doing this. Yeah, oh yeah, for sure. So hopefully someday we'll be able to do this just full time. Yes. So that's the goal. The dog agrees. The dog agreed. Yeah. Yeah, he agreed. So So there apparently just an FYI, there's an issue with Patreon. Um something in regards to payments being declined. So if your payment was declined, uh, Patreon is telling us to rest assured it will not be and it will not affect your membership. Cool. So. Patreon, there's always issues with. Yeah, but it's, I mean, it's the platform that's. That, that That's it. Yeah. That's the only other platform that we could. We didn't turn our sign on for the 100th episode. Oh. I don't, well, I turned it off because it's been on for I know, a couple le- days. That's because so. we forget and we leave it on for days. I know. That would I, be why. I don't know where the remote I think I is. Have so, I think yeah, we got to yeah. turn our sign on. Oh, Get it know. going. Oh, yeah. The stretch feels good. Big stretch. <sighs> I wasn't counting So, on that. other than hitting your head, what. Uh, oh, my God. How was work last night? Uh, uneventful. Really? Yeah. That's kind of weird because it was hot out. <laughs> one, one of the dispatchers fucking with one of my crews. <laughs> okay. Want to elaborate? The, the call came in for the STD check. Oh. So, well, it's four in the morning, so you know it's it's a domestic, and somebody said, I gave you herpes. Yeah, yeah right. Well... The dispatcher, our dispatcher, just toned him out for uh, the person who wanted their STD checked out. So, like, specifically <laughs> their STD. Their PP checked. Uh, and then the fire band dispatcher told them to stage. Uh, why? So, <laughs> they pull up, they get close, and they're like, yeah, carve whatever, we're uh, we're staged. <laughs> I looked at Oscar, and he looked at me, and I was like, did you tell them to stage? Right. He's like, no, did you tell them to stage? I'm like... No? I'm like, what are they staging for? Right. And he's like, are they in the splash zone? What are they doing? They just got to check the pee-pee so out. So I called them, and I was like, guys, what are you uh, what are you staging for? Yeah. And he's like, I don't know. And I'm like, what do you mean you don't know? What do you stage? Like, it's an STD check. What are you staging for? Yeah, you, the, the like, police don't need to come. Who you told just you to, to stage? You and need to check a, a JJ or a pee-pee. I said, who told you to stage? And he's like fire band and then you hear the dispatcher in the other room start cackling and i was like god damn it and you guys believed her oh my they were god. staged for the std check no you don't need a stage yeah. for that i was like guys you you can go ahead and go on in yeah. <laughs> so was it was there an std uh i don't know because i guess she told our crew to fuck off <laughs> <laughs> good seen. talk yeah. good talk fuck yeah. off didn't even want to be seen uh-huh. yeah oh that's awesome yep so yeah that's about as eventful as it got uh, that's... your fucking town was blown up was but, it yeah uh, as usual mm-hmm. i mean it's it's hot outside so what do you expect i'm really mad about this your sprite yeah yeah, that sucks. I would be mad too. But speaking of your town. Yeah. So guys, our next Patreon. Yes. It's a doozy. 
it's a doozy. It's my first homicide case, which it it was, it's going to be a trigger warning because it was a child, a 19-month-old baby girl. And we brought back Tony Curtis. We brought back Tony Curtis. It is already recorded, so Mm -hmm. I'm going to release it either tomorrow or Sunday. Yep. But you're going to hear a whole shit ton of dad jokes. Yep, and a whole different side of an actual homicide case. Yeah. Yeah, you're going to hear how mm-hmm. we worked it. and Because it was it, you guys. It, it was us. It was we us. We have all the reports from the from Chicago. Who, from Sh- Chicago had to take it over because, because the homicide actually there. happened yeah. there. But she was found in Riverdale. Found in Riverdale. And, uh, yep. You're, you're going to hear all about it. You but know, if a, you want to Google it, it's it's in the newspaper. It's a or it was in the newspaper. Different fucking aspect of it all yeah. hearing these guys talk about it and I, I remember I remember it vividly oh I do too I remember it, was, it happening babe, for a first homicide yeah. I remember how fucked up is that yeah I remember the patrol guys talking about it later I remember like vividly remember about it remember it so because <clears throat> where I work in the surrounding towns of the homicides were either drug-related or domestics. They're not true victim homicides. They're not true. It's shitheads, Mm -hmm. you know. I'm not victim-shaming, but gang gang bangers that were... It's a fuck-around-and-find-out kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, and this was a true victim This was a true victim. So, um, you know, we we busted our asses and... You know, we had to hand it over to Chicago, and that's nerve-wracking because you don't know how the fuck they're going to handle right. it. And because you guys had it, we had you it. Had it. We you had, had everything. It. Yeah, you guys had it and handed it to them on a silver platter. Yeah, we did. So. We did. So, yeah. Yep. So, guys, sign up for Patreon. www.patreon.com forward slash Death Do Us Part. The number one. We have several tiers that you can choose from. Uh, each one gets special privileges, um, but every tier you will get the free bonus episode. Mm-hmm. So, so sign up, sign up. There's a lot of them. Oh, you're yawning already. Sorry. Already? Already. What time is it? Like three in the afternoon. Okay, so we're going on. Yeah, oh yeah, you didn't sleep yet. I've been up since 5 o'clock yesterday morning. Yeah, you didn't sleep yet. No. Man, how how are you functioning? You don't sleep. I don't. Dude, you're like a vampire, man. I took a little catnap at work this morning. You do not sleep. You're going to sleep good tonight, though. I know that. I don't know, the last time I did this, remember I was up to like 2 in the morning? Yeah. So... Yeah, hopefully um, you can maybe take some PM Tylenol or something. Well, and I don't go back till tomorrow night. Yeah, so which is nice. That's good. Yeah. Because I got a butt ton of laundry to do. And you got to shower me. Yeah. Hey. It's not exciting, guys. I know, it's not. Yeah. <laughs> Just saying. It's not at all. Uh, so what anyways. What else do we have to do tomorrow? Nothing? Nothing, right? No, no. just prepare for Sunday. Sunday. Sunday, if you're in near the Flint, Michigan area, we will be uh, out there doing a Comic-Con in Flint, Michigan at 2 p.m. Do we have to bring our own water? 
I feel like yeah, it's a stupid question, but it's like a legit question because I'm, I'm literally sure that, nobody knows whether or not their yeah, water has ever been fixed. I, I'm sure there's bottled water. I mean, that's what I'm. I'm not going to drink. But from, I mean, wouldn't you know, it be the, fixed by now? It's been like years. I don't know if it is. But no, nobody knows. Yeah, literally nobody. To be knows. honest with you, I I really don't know. I don't either. I guess we're bringing water. We're bringing water. Yeah. <laughs> I don't trust it yet. Mm-mm. Even if they say it's fixed, I I don't know. That was a pretty big fucking problem. Oh yeah. Do you remember the so, TV show? Yeah. They followed the cops. All fucking four of them. And that was on you know? Netflix. Was it on Netflix? Yeah. Okay. I couldn't remember. I yeah, know. it was on Netflix. It was pretty good. I haven't watched TV and yeah. watch recorded Maury. And that's it. Yeah. Pretty much. <laughs> In research, and that's it. Yeah. So, uh-huh. so yeah. we got a bunch of new Patreons. We do, and I'm going to apologize in advance. I'm not sure if this is all of them. I don't think it is because of the issues going on with Patreon. So we will revisit this, but I'm going to say the one thing. Yeah, so if we miss you, we will announce you on the next episode. Tell us. Yeah. Like, send a message. Hey, yeah. bitches, you forgot me. Yeah. Because we're not sure. Okay, so we have Michelle. Michelle, thank you. Kyle. Kyle, thank you. Jackie. Jackie, thank you. Brooke. Brooke, thank you. Celise. I hope Celise. I'm saying that right. I apologize. Thank you very much. Uh, Lizzie. Lizzie. Who, Lizzie has been through it. Really? Trying to get, <laughs> trying to get on Patreon. Oh, poor Lizzie. She... She can't get the Patreon to cross over, and then she gets kicked out, and then she uses a different email, and I think we're working now. Okay. But according to this, she has become our Patreon. All right. Good <laughs> Seven deal, times. <laughs> and Jill. And Jill. Thank so, you. hopefully everybody's on there. All right. And like I said, if, if we missed you, send us a message, and we will announce you next episode. Dun, 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 dun. Yes. I don't know what. I just got an email I was waiting for. Oh, for what? Uh, who our dental carrier was in 2020. <laughs> oh, good deal. All right. Because they're submitting an old bill to the wrong insurance. So I've been waiting. For, for three somebody. years? Well, yeah, for three years. They've been submitting it to the wrong insurance. Good job, people. Yeah. They're submitting it to insurance. <laughs> good job. That I haven't, from an employer that I haven't been at in four and a half years (laughs) that's awesome but then so i had to ask our broker yeah like hey i'm we swear at each other a lot i was like uh who was the fucking dental carrier in 2020 and he's like i don't know i was with this other company and i was like yeah you were still our broker with the other company (laughs) (laughs) and he's like yeah and you did the insurance for your company. How come you don't know? I'm like, I don't know. How come neither one of us know? Oh, both what of the you What the fuck are is morons. wrong with us? Yeah, both of you are We're both morons. stupid. Ugh. So then he's like, call this chick. But she's on maternity leave, so just leave her name. And I'm like, God <laughs> damn it. Three fucking years. So for, I finally, for he gave both. me a number to call. And I called. I sent him kind of a mean message. Oh, but good. I got it. Yeah. All right. Well, good deal. Yes. I'm very excited Yay! So. Yay! Yeah! All right, so you ready for uh, episode 100, the Menendez Brothers? I hope it's not anticlimactic. 
Yeah, I, I hope not either. <laughs> I mean, I know this is this this story has been told over and over again, yeah. but we haven't covered it. So I, mm, I mean, it's not one of those like who done it. We yeah, we know, you know who did it. You know, who we did know it. who did it. Yeah, it's why. Yeah, that's the big thing. Is why. And I I have my feelings. <sighs> I thought you know? I did. I don't know. I, I truly am at this point. Like I thought, I knew, but like I don't. I don't know. Yeah. Because you know, a lot of they, they the the prosecution tried to say that a lot of the stuff that they were saying was not true and it was made up. And oh really? I don't think it was. Like yeah, I I don't think it was either. And now there's new allegations that just came out in 2023. Oh really? Yeah. Oh wow! Yeah, I'll I'm get excited to, that at to hear the that. Very end. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm excited to hear They're that. They're trying for a new trial because of this evidence. Really? Mm-hmm. Yep. No shit. Yep. And I think the thing that kind of pushes it the most is their family, like their mom's family and their dad's family, supports support them, right? The shit out of them, and yeah. are like, like their mom. So their uncle from their mom's side and their aunt from their mom's side. Yeah. The uncle says, "No, leave him in fucking jail." And yeah. the aunt's like, no, get them out. They don't deserve to be in there. Right. Like, they're right. split. But like, I knew the family pretty much supported yeah. them. So, yeah, it's it's interesting. I think they got railroaded on the second trial. I didn't know there were two trials. I didn't know there was two trials <laughs> yeah. either. I, that, I, that was new to me. Yeah, there's a lot of, uh, I didn't know. So. Why don't you pour some of your orange pop in there? Do you want me to? Yeah, I do. Okay. All right, so I'm going to start. Are you ready? Oh, I'm ready. Okay. So, Jose Menendez was born on May 6th, 1944 in Havana, Cuba, into a prominent prominent family. It's going to sound like I'm peeing for a minute. Yeah. His father was a uh, semi-famous soccer player, while his mother was a Cuban Hall of Fame swimmer. Now, his father owned an accounting firm in Cuba, and while the family wasn't the richest richest around they were very comfortable and really wanted for nothing now that all changed in 1959 when jose was 16 and fidel castro overthrew the government and ended up seizing the family's property so like there you go baby thank you just came into their house and was like oh this is nice get out really yeah the government took their home jesus so they had to flee to the united states oh okay yeah they ended up living in, like, the attic of an aunt's house in the United States. I did not know that. So, after being in the U.S., Jose started to dream about attending an Ivy League school, but unfortunately, the family's uh, financial situation did not allow for it. Yeah. So, he ended up going to, um, God damn it, I didn't put, so he went to Southern. Southern. Illinois. Southern Illinois? Yeah. Really? And it was here where he met his future wife, Mary Louise Kitty. Anderson, they called her Kitty. Yeah. Who was three years his senior and born in Oak Lawn. No kidding. Born and raised in Oak Lawn. Wow, that's close. She was by actually to us. Miss Oak Lawn. Really? Mm-hmm. Wow. So yeah, she that's was close born, by to us. Very close, yeah. She was born October fourteenth of nineteen forty one in Oak Lawn, Illinois, to parents Charles and May Helen. She was the youngest of four kids. Her father was an Army veteran who started his own HVAC business while her her mother worked in an airport. Um, Allegedly, her father was abusive, 
and the marriage was rocky. The household was very unhappy. Uh, her parents divorced when she was 10, and she was sent to live in a boarding school for a year. She attended Oaklawn Community High School, followed by Southern Illinois University. Wow. Where she studied communications and production, despite her dreams of becoming an actress. Mm. It was when she won Miss Oaklawn that she caught the eye of Jose. Miss Oaklawn, yeah. all right. They were both immediately smitten. Um, however, Jose's family disapproved of Kitty because she was a child of divorce, and Kitty's family disapproved because he was Cuban. 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 Um, They did not care, and they ended up eloping in 1963 and then moved to New York City. Jose would finish college at Queens College, earning an accounting degree, just like his dad. And he worked as a dishwasher at the 21 Club to pay his way through school. Yeah. Kitty worked as an elementary school teacher. Jose ended up getting a job, an accounting job, at Cooper's and Labyrinth which was in a, a very prestigious accounting firm out mm-hmm. there. Yeah. One of the firm clients took notice of Jose and hired him at their company to be the comptroller at Hertz Rental Car. Nice. Now, Hertz at the time was a subsidiary of RCA, which was Radio Corporation of America. Jose was determined to live out the American dream. You know, 2.5 kids, white yeah. picket fence. Of course, he yeah. He quickly worked his way up to executive, followed by being in charge of uh, Hertz Rental for their U.S. operations. Very cool. He was eventually moved to the record division of RCA, which is Radio Corporation of mm-hmm. America, uh, Areola. Areola. Yes. That's awesome. Uh, Areola. Where do you work? At the Areola. So their, um, their like, brand... Yeah. was a record with like a hole in the record. So it looked like an actual fucking <laughs> areola. areola. <laughs> that's awesome. So oh, I was like, do you think they great. did that on purpose? Uh, you know they yeah. did. So they now, had to have. Jose has no fucking experience with music. None whatsoever. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but he was described as charismatic, but also manipulative. And they felt he could talk anyone into anything. So they put him in charge of signing records, record deals. Really? Um, he ended up signing wow. Menudo. I don't know who. You, how do you not know fucking Menudo? It's a the, like the very first boy band. Really? Yes. No, I I don't know Menudo. Ricky What's... Martin was in Menudo. Okay, it still doesn't help. I mean, I know who Ricky Martin is, but I don't know. Like, what's did do they have a hit song? I don't know. They they were. Like eighties. Well, then don't yell at me, babe. Everybody knows fucking Menudo. <laughs> I don't. Every, everybody knows Menudo. Whatever. Okay. You know, um, he was in a uh, a meeting with the Eurythmics. Okay. Annie Lennox. Okay. And they were talking about advertising her new record, and he said that they were going to advertise it like Ghostbusters. Ooh. And she's like, "No, stupid." You don't put my face on the side of a bus like a movie. Right. No. Uh-uh. So, that's what he did. Wow. He had a reputation of being mean and controlling and impossible to work with and also someone that you should be afraid of. Ooh. Sounds like a fucking peach. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds awesome. Uh, his bosses loved him, but everyone that worked for for him hated him. Oh, jeez. Uh, he demanded perfection from both his workers and his family. With work moving along swimmingly, Jose and Kitty decided to start a family. 
Their first son, Joseph Lyle, who would go on to be called Lyle, was born January 10th, 1968 in New York. Uh, After he was born, Kitty quit her job (laughs) to stay home with the baby. And shortly after Lyle's birth, the family moved to Gloucester Township in New Jersey. This is where second son, Eric with a K, Galen was born on November 27th of 1970. The family settled in Hopewell Township, uh, which was like Princeton Heights. It's a pretty like uppity, like hoity-toity. Hoity-toity. There we go. The brothers were described by everybody who knew them as inseparable, but had very different personalities. Yeah. Lyle was outgoing with a strong personality, while Eric was quiet and sensitive and preferred to be alone. Okay. Both boys attended the prestigious Princeton Day School. Um, they were not; they weren't bad students. They were average. Okay. But that was not good enough for Jose. Oh. Um, you he, wanted excellence. He wanted perfection and excellence. So, yeah. um, <clears throat> teachers would tell Jose and Kitty that the boys were immature for their age, um, and they would just pretty much ignore them. I mean, the boys were very immature for their age up to. The time of the murder. Oh, really? But, oh, my God. Um, they were treated like toddlers until really? adulthood. Yes. Why? Because that's how Kitty and Jose wanted it. That's weird. So, um, very to weird. ensure above average grades, Jose and Kitty would do their homework. No shit. Yeah. So, when teachers would ask them about their assignment and they would stand there fucking picking their nose, not doing anything, it was clear that these papers were written by fucking adults. There's no fucking way I'm writing our kids' papers. No No fucking way. No. Uh -uh. I mean, I will. Yeah, you can, (laughs) but I I ain't. So, the assignments were perfect, but they would fail the tests. Yeah. Obviously. So the outside looking in was the most important view to Jose, and in order to ensure perfection, he ruled his household. Mm. Lead by fear, you know? Yeah, of Um, course. He dictated what Kitty, Lyle, and Eric would wear, what they ate, and who they associated with. Mm. Great guy. Jose flaunted his wealth and was very open with his thoughts that the Menendezes were better than everybody. Yeah. The kids were driven to school in a limo. Really? Um, yes. And the neighbors Hey-o. really thought like they were new money compared to old money. Yeah. So they were tacky as shit. Okay. Pretty much. Yeah. Um, now because he couldn't he wasn't the best at athletics. Like he was good, but he wasn't like great. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Uh he started living vicariously through the boys. Of course. He yeah. was constantly pushing them. Um they were average kids with school and, and sports, but it just was not good enough for Jose. Yeah. So in order to make them perfect, he essentially set them up for failure at a very young age. Mm-hmm. Um, he wanted the boys to be tennis stars. They took private lessons, and he would yell um, he would yell at the coaches like he knew more than them. Oh, God, I hate parents like yeah. that. That's, yeah. dude... That's one of my pet peeves. Like, shut the fuck up. Mm-hmm. You become a coach then. Right. Well, if, you know? Yeah. If you're going to be a dick like that, you become a fucking coach. So he pushed, really pushed athletics, forcing them to practice every day regardless of weather or illness. Yeah. Now, Lyle played and was good, but he seemed destined to follow in the footsteps of his dad when it came to business. 
Eric, on the other hand, was really good. Okay. Uh, he was pushed the hardest by Jose, and he would eventually become a nationally ranked player in his age bracket. Really? Yeah. I had no clue. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. new, to, new to me, too. Yeah, he was, he was good. Wow. But uh, Jose and Kitty would argue with offic- officials at the matches. Oh, God. The boys Again, would th- I fucking <laughs> yeah. hate that. The boys would throw temper tantrums. Yeah. Um, at one point, Lyle was forced to compete with an injured ankle. And then was berated by Jose for being weak, to the point that Lyle just shouted, "Shut up!" Yeah. Well, Jose dragged him to the limo by the neck, Jesus. punched him square in the face, and threatened to kill him if he ever embarrassed him like that again. What a fucking asshole! Mm-hmm. Uh, it was said that they had no choice but to be successful. Mm-hmm. They were worked to the bone in athletics and life in general. But his obsessive intervention had the opposite effect of what Jose was trying to achieve. Yeah. Their former swim coach would later say in a 1990 interview, quote, it seemed like Jose was so competitive. He was doing everything he could to make Eric better. But he was so completely overbearing, it had the opposite effect. Eric had so much less self-confidence because everything he did was never good enough. Mm. Which is sad. Yeah, that is. So, family and friends close to the family knew that this whole we're the perfect family American dream thing was a complete, like, bullshit facade. Yeah. yeah. And they saw the controlling and abusive behavior displayed by Jose. Damn. Uh, at one point, they described an instance where everything was fine and Jose whispered into Lyle's ear when he was five and he, Lyle immediately started crying. And then he chastised him for crying. Oh, Jesus. Kitty was the exact opposite. Um, She was almost indifferent to the boys, as if she was bothered by them. Um, When they were five and two, they wandered off at the mall, and Kitty's only response was that she could finally shop in peace. Yeah. Um, Great parenting. It's alleged that the boys witnessed Kitty be beaten and berated by Jose, eventually mimicking some of the behavior. Kitty was treated as a maid and a cab driver for the family. And a sister-in-law would later say that Kitty would say that she wished the boys were never born. Um, Saying, quote, kids just come between a husband and wife, and they ruined her chances to become an actress. Damn. Mm Mm-hmm. Damn. So... So a lot of of stuff that I'm going to go over now didn't come out until the trial okay so like the the a lot of the sexual abuse that didn't come out until the trial right um so in 1976 uh cousin diane vandermolen came to stay for the summer at the menendez home um she claims lyle who would have been um around eight at the time confessed to her that he was being sexually abused by his father oh jeez. when diane told kitty she took Jose's side and said that Lyle was lying. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, uh, add on to all of this rough. that Jose was having multiple affairs, mm-hmm. including one that lasted eight years. That's not an affair. That's a relationship. That's a relationship. Yeah. Kitty was, she was a broken woman. Um, she started drinking heavily and taking pills. Um, at one point, they said she overdosed on Valium. <clears throat> Lyle found a note that said, quote, I'm sorry to leave this way. 
Oh, my God. There was another time where she cut herself with a knife and then screamed at Lyle while she smeared blood on his face. Jesus. He calls both of these suicide attempts, but Kitty denies it. Yeah. Um, it sometimes appeared as if the boy's growth was almost stunted by their treatment. Um, Lyle had a large stuffed animal collection that he actively played with well past the age of 15. Oh, Jesus. He also wet the bed into his teenage years. Oh, my God. Which, that's the number one sign of Of sexual sexual abuse. abuse. Yeah, it is. Is is bedwetting. It is. Um, Kitty would, when he wet the bed, Kitty would make him sleep on the floor and then pile up the soiled sheets on the kitchen table to shame him. What a fucking bitch. Uh, The family's pet ferret was killed by the family dog. Okay. So Jose killed the dog. Dude, what is going on? Put the dog's head in the fridge. So when the boys went to get breakfast the next morning, they opened the fridge and that was the first thing they saw. What? Jose instructed Lyle to kill a bunny that he had brought home. And when he didn't, Jose beat the bunny to death and then showed him the dead bunny in the garbage. Jeez. The boys started developing symptoms of extreme stress. Um, They were grinding their teeth. They had stomach issues, out-of-control tempers, violent tendencies, um, sometimes, uh, like, violent sexual tendencies also. Again, sexual abuse. It's learned behavior. Yeah. Uh, In 1982, when Lyle was 15 and Eric was 12, the same cousin Diane came back to the house. They were playing around and wrestling when Lyle and Eric pinned her down and started undressing her. Oh, my God. Only stopping when she started screaming. Wow. Very much, obviously, a learned behavior. In another instance... Lyle and Diane were watching TV when he got on top of her and started fondling her breasts. To them, there was no separation because it was family, because their dad was doing it to them. Right, right. Um, And it would come out later that so was their mom. Oh, jeez. In 1986, Jose was offered an executive position with Corelco Pictures. Mm -hmm. So he took the family to Calabasas, California. Uh, Lyle, he was 17 at the time, and he stayed in New Jersey because he was just about to graduate high school and planned on attending Princeton in the fall. Yeah. Uh, Jose became the head of the division called Home Video Entertainment, which was formerly owned by the Mafia and run as an adult film company. Oh, nice. Mm -hmm. Uh, It was acquired by Corelco and produced films such as Rambo and The Terminator. No shit. Mm -hmm. Wow. Classics. So Eric started attending Calabasas High School, uh, excelling in tennis, and Lyle's intention to go to Princeton was put on hold when his application was rejected. Oh, wow. But Jose said, uh, fuck you, and donated 50 grand. (laughs) Oh, jeez. And guess who got into Princeton? Oh, you don't say. In 1987, he was accepted into Princeton. You don't say. However, he was suspended for a year only one semester into the year uh, after being accused of plagiarism. Whoops. Jose went in front of the board of admissions who really didn't give a shit and stuck to their decision. (laughs) Jose said he wasn't going to um, let Lyle just sit around and do nothing. So he made a move to California with the rest of the family. Okay. 
Uh, he told Lyle he was going to come work with him at the film company, hoping he would follow in his footsteps. Yeah. Lyle, however, wanted no part of it and was eventually fired for being lazy and useless. Oh. Insubordinate. Good job. And habitually late. Well, that'll do it. Can you imagine being the poor fuck who had to fire him? Yeah, right? I mean, I would. I don't care, but. Yeah, you wouldn't give yeah. a shit. No. Uh-uh. <laughs> nope. So, meanwhile, Eric is writing a screenplay with his friend Craig Signorelli. Now, this becomes a big to-do later. Okay. Um. So, just kind of put a pin in that. Putting a pin in it. <clears throat> it was called Friends, funny enough. Yeah. And it was about a college kid who decides to kill his parents for insurance money. Ooh. He allegedly wrote a second version, which was uh, explicitly detailed and would end up matching the actual murders later on. Oh, no shit. Yeah. Now, Jose would make the boys quote management books at the kitchen table. Like, he would sit them down and make them quote books and talk about politics and, you know, all really? the shit that kids don't care about. Yeah. Um, and a lot of the that quotes about? that they were made to say Eric put in the screenplay. Okay. So, now that Eric and Lyle were reunited, because he's back, you know, Lyle's back in California. Yeah. They got bored and started breaking into neighbors' houses. Well, well, all right. I mean, when you have no consequences for Uh, anything. What else are you going to do? So, they would start with what they called um, hot prowls. What the fuck? It was basically just them fucking casing the houses. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, when they found one they liked, they would literally back a moving truck up to the house and clean it out. No shit. Lyle was the How first... How does no one notice that? I don't know, babe. Lyle the was fuck? the first one to do it, stealing jewelry and silverware from a girlfriend's parents. Yeah. Eric, however, needed to prove that he could be just as good, if not better than Lyle. He broke into another house and stole just a few items. But those items totaled over $100,000. Whoa. Whoa. Yeah. They got caught. Did they? Mm Mm-hmm. Eric was remorseful and wanted to return everything. Yeah. Jose ended up driving them from house to house, making them apologize. No Then he would apologize, and he would write a check to cover the expenses. Damn. This dude is loaded. So, again... No consequences. Right. Yeah. And according to people who knew Jose, he wasn't mad that the boys were stealing. He was mad that they got caught. Of course. Yeah. He ended up hiring the defense attorney who represented the Hillside Strangler for the boys. Really? They got probation and were ordered to attend therapy. Now, this therapy, though... They, the judge basically told Jose, like, you pick the therapist. Like, it wasn't like a court, it was a court-ordered thing, but not like a court-ordered therapist. Okay. Yeah. I don't see what good that would Uh, do. No. I I put in big, bold letters. Uh, You get to hire your own therapist if it's court-ordered? Yeah, that's... Weird. The prosecutor would say that rich people get therapy while underprivileged Underprivileged people get jail. Yeah. So, yeah. So, uh, Jose hired psychotherapist Dr. Jerome Ozeal, and he wanted him to counsel the boys and find out why they were committing crimes. 
um, because they can, yeah. and they're brats. And, and there's no consequences. Right. Hello? Why wouldn't you? Yeah. You know? So... Of course. Jose went with them to the first couple sessions, like sitting in the room with them, yelling at the boys to talk. And Gosh. finally the therapist was like, you should... How about shut up? You should probably go. Yeah. They're not going to talk with you here. Yeah. You know? <clears throat> sir, yeah. sir, can you shut up, please? So, in an attempt to distance the family from the people who knew about the, the burglaries, um, Jose moved the. Fa- I was typing that, and I was thinking about you and Tony saying burglared. Burglared. Yeah. Uh, Jose moved the family to Beverly Hills. Ooh. He moved them into an ultra exclusive neighborhood, um, with Beverly Hills being one of the wealthiest communities in the United yeah, States. Yeah, Jose is loaded, yeah. man. It was a safe and quiet area, averaging two murders a year. Yeah. That's... We had two the other night. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, like just the other night. In a town of 15,000. Yeah. So they moved to 722 North Elm Drive. It was a $5 million Mediterranean-style mansion that was once rented by Elton John. Wow. Kitty saw this as the ultimate sign of, quote-unquote, making it. Yeah. Because that's, you know... It's it's what you got to do. Beverly Hills. So Lyle was 21 when they moved and was uh, quite the ladies' man, apparently, dating models and other gorgeous women, which I do not understand. Right on. Because he was not the better-looking of the two. No. 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 And his ears really stick out when he shaves his head. Ooh, yeah. Um, Kitty was not a fan of any of them, calling them whores and gold diggers. Whores. Jose was still pushing appearances and perfection with the boys. To the point that when Lyle started showing signs of premature hair loss in his teens. Whoa, really? Jose made him wear a toupee. At 15? Now, now that you know he has a toupee, go look at all the pictures of them. Dude, like, that, yeah. You kind of just thought, like, he just, like, dude, get, brush your hair. A yeah. Different, like, no, it's a fucking toupee. Oh, my God. I yeah. could see that. <clears throat> Once you know it's a, to- a toupee, you can't, like, not oh see it. You can't Oh, my unsee God. It. Yeah, I could totally yeah. see that. It was a $1,500 toupee. But at 15 years old? Yeah. Uh-huh. Dude, that's nuts. Yeah. So now the toupee becomes a thing later on. And okay. I kind of brought it up here. But okay. Yeah. But it's it's reported different ways. So I'll just, we'll talk about it later. Um, this is like, the boys are starting to realize that their parents are pitting them against each other and have been their entire lives. Yeah. Um, they would egg them on during physical fights. Really? Like they would each pick one. And egg them on to beat the shit out of the other one. Dude, what is wrong with these it, people? Yeah, it was like fucking Fight Club. What the fuck is up with these people? Yeah. So, are you ready for the murder? I'm ready for the murder. I just took a sip. On August 20th, 1989, Jose and Kitty were in the den watching a movie with their backs to the door. Yeah. The boys entered the rooms, entered the room, excuse me, Armed with Mossberg 12-gauge shotguns. Mm-hmm. Jose was shot in the back of the head. Kitty had fallen asleep, and when she heard Jose get shot, she tried to run down the hall, but she was shot in the leg. She ended up slipping in her own blood while trying to get away. She fell and was shot several more times in the arm, chest, and face. Ooh, wow. 
Wow. That's I, up close and personal. Well, I get a little more into it in a little bit. Yeah, um, it's personal. So they also shot both their parents in the kneecaps because they thought this would kind of be indicative of a mob hit. Ah. Now, Jose was shot uh, point blank range, like muzzle to contact to the skin yeah. in the back of the head. That's so personal. his head was obliterated. Yeah. Um, there was blood and brain matter all over the room. Now, Kitty, she had been shot multiple times. Yeah. Lyle at one point went outside and reloaded. Jesus. Came back in and pressed the muzzle of a 12-gauge shotgun to her left cheek. Wow, and pulled dude. The trigger, that's, that's up close and personal. Obliterating her face. Wow. You are completely destroying these people for a reason. Exactly. Yep. You the, are. There's a psychological thing to that. That's, yeah. That's not just rage. That's, no, that's, that's, I fucking hate you. you I'm going to literally destroy yeah, you. exactly. That's what that is. So the boys waited for the police to arrive due to the noise. And when they didn't, they didn't come. The police did not come. Yeah. Um, they moved on to the next step in the plan. Now, neighbors would later say that they heard gunshots or what they thought were gunshots. But you don't call the police. One of the neighbors said that her son told her, Mom, those are gunshots. And she said, no, they're fireworks. Go back to bed. <laughs> it was an unseasonably warm night, and everybody had windows open and, and shit like that. Nobody called. Dude. These are, we're talking like... And it's Beverly Rapid Hills. fire, multiple shots from two 12-gauge shotguns. Yeah. In a home, and then a, a moment of silence, and then a reload. And you're not going to fucking yeah. call the police. Mm -hmm. Wow. So That blows my <clears> mind. Their alibi, their alibi would be they were going to go see the Batman movie and go to uh, Taste of L.A. Festival. Which Batman movie? Was the original. The, the first mm -hmm. one? Yeah. Wow. So they left together. I am Batman. They drove down Mulholland Drive to the movie theater and bought or were going to buy tickets. <clears throat> they then returned home, not knowing what to do. They would both yeah. say later in documentaries that they just drove around at that point, not knowing where to go or what Whoops. to do. Didn't think of it. No. Um, the original plan was to meet their tennis coach at Cheesecake Factory. <laughs> um, Cheesecake Factory was around back then? Apparently, yeah, because that's where they went all the time. Really? Yeah. But, I didn't think it came out till like, the mm -mm. 2000s. No, but the coach couldn't make it due to schedule. So he was like, well, I'll just come to the house. And they're like, no, 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 no. No. No, no. No, please, we're We'll no. meet another night. Now, originally they said that the alibi was planned. But then they would later come out and say that it wasn't planned. Yeah. They ended up going, you know, to the movie theater, but didn't buy the tickets because they realized the times would be off. And Yeah. So... They went back home, and Eric would later say that he kept going back into the room with his parents, that he couldn't stay out of the room, and really? that he was immediately remorseful and regretful and ha just felt the need to be in there with them. Well, Lyle would pull him out, and he would go back in. Wow. So Yikes. you start to see that Lyle is a fucking sociopath. Oh, yeah. He has no emotion whatsoever right. and 
does not at any point in time throughout this entire thing. Still doesn't. Right. Um, he's got he's got Manson lamps, man. Yeah. So when the police didn't come, Lyle called nine one one at eleven forty seven p.m. Mm-hmm. Police arrived within minutes <clears throat> after this phone call, and I mean everybody's heard the nine one one call. I'm sure. Yeah. It sounds awful. Yeah. And it's actually a juror would later comment that that fake 911 call actually helped them because when they got on the stand to talk about the abuse, yeah. that was genuine. And they could tell it was genuine because the 911 call was so fake. Wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, upon arrival, police ordered the boys out of the house. Eric fell to the ground uh, when pounding the ground. At one point, they said one of them was banging their head against a tree. Jesus. Um, They were so believable to the police that the inexperienced police officers didn't even think to put them aside. and Maybe they're the ones? Right. Check them for gunshot residue. Yeah. All that stuff. They were never tested for it. Oh, dude. Come on. Now, these guys, I mean, two murders a year? And they yeah, have they have two st- murders right there. Dude, you know, you still treat it like any other mm-hmm. fucking crime. Now, like it, it's yeah. Uh, the brothers kept saying that there was so much gun smoke, but it had been literal hours at yeah, this point. Of course. Now, this was the first time too that the cops would kind of side eye the situation, because generally, if there's so much gun smoke in the room. It just happened, which means you would almost assume that the perpetrator was still in the house. Was still there. So you would get the fuck out. Pretty much. Yeah. On top of the fact that it was such a grisly scene and like horrifically bloody, gory scene. Yeah. Why were they still in there? Yeah. If somebody had just done this to their parent, why were they hanging out in the house waiting for them to get there? So one officer in particular, whose name was Mo Angel... Mo Angel? Uh, was not feeling the boys' bullshit. He said he noticed that the boys would stop crying when they thought no one was looking at them. Yeah. They left the crime scene shortly after the police arrived, but came back around 3 a.m., and they wanted their tennis equipment. Uh, detectives on the scene were like, no, dumb fucks. <laughs> right. Come back at 8 a.m. Yeah, sorry. Uh, yeah. There's something going on here. Um, the boys were like, cool, cool. Uh, we're still going in. And they went in the house and got their tennis bags. Now, the reason oh they God. had to get their tennis bags was because this is where all the shell casings were that they picked up. Ooh. And the receipts for the guns. Oh. Now, when they took that drive down Mulholland Drive, they ditched the guns under a bush. Yeah. What, why didn't you take the shell casings with you? Yeah. And why are you keeping receipts for the guns? Yeah. Maybe destroy them. I don't even keep my receipts that long, and I take pictures of my receipts. <laughs> right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, hello. Maybe yeah. plan this out a little bit better. So, Jose's company was originally owned by the mob, so Lyle and Eric used this to their oh, advantage. Oh, yeah. They immediately tried to blame the mafia for mm-hmm. the murders. Yep. The detectives called bullshit again, because we've all seen movies. Mm-hmm. Mob hits are done with one shot and a silencer. Right. They're not messy. Right. They don't target family members. No. And they generally won't break into a house. 
They right. will do murders of convenience. Yeah, yeah. So, initially, the brothers were not considered suspects. How? I So, yeah. Now, How the fuck is that possible? Are you ready for this? Here's another one. Yeah. So, another route that they were looking into was a political murder. Jose had started to publicly state that he was going to run for Senate. Okay. He wanted to move. Um, where did he want to move? Florida, I believe. He wanted to move to Florida. Yeah. And his first order of business as a senator was going to be to make Cuba state. Cuba. So the cops were like, maybe the politicians were like, you're a fucking idiot. We're not doing that. Oh, these cops. Yeah. Oh, my God. So now after Dude, a few it's weeks. right under your fucking nose. Police started to reconsider. Mm. Now. Nobody knows how you will grieve in a situation like this. True. True. Yeah. If I had a $250,000 American Express card at my fingertips, I would probably go out and spend $16,000 too. Oh, yeah. I'm just saying. Yeah. Oh, I would. So. Without a doubt, I would. They had Jose's $250,000 American Express card that they were authorized to use. Yeah. And within four days of the murders, they had charged (laughs) $16,938, including an $11,000 Rolex that Lyle wore to the memorial service. Oh, a Rolex? Oh, my God. Come on. They tried to explain it away, saying that they went shopping with their uncle, and he was buying one, which he did. Their uncle did buy one. Okay. Um, And the uncle said that they should get something nice to wear to the service. Yeah. And that the uncle had to approve all of these charges before they could make them. So this was not something extremely out of the ordinary for their right. family. Right. Jose's family came from money. Yeah. So it wasn't necessarily weird. I, I get for it. For them. Yeah. I, I get what you're saying. Again, I would buy it. I, I would too. I don't I'm know if, saying, I would, if I'd get a Rolex. No, but I don't think I'd get a Rolex. I, I'm not into watches like no. that. Uh-uh. You know, I, I'm, my dad would probably buy a Rolex. Like necklaces and Rolexes, I'm just not. I'm not into. No, but they were. Yeah, they were. You know, hey, to each his own. Now Lyle uh, wore his dad's shoes at the service, really, and made a big production out of showing people at the service that he was wearing Jose's shoes, saying people were wrong when they said I couldn't fill my dad's shoes. Yeah, again. Yeah. Yeah. Now, you at think? the time, they were put up in a $1,500 a night suite paid for by Corelco and Home Video. Wow. Um, and the company hired bodyguards for the boys. Really? Request. Yes, because they wanted to ensure that the public knew that this was not a mafia-related hit. Wow. So they were, this is our condolences, our sympathies, blah, 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 like. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So, in addition to that, um, right after they died, right after the murders, the the brothers were entitled to $250,000 each from a life insurance policy. Whoa. Now, life insurance payouts are considered non-probate assets, which means they are given out with beneficiary designation. It comes immediately. Okay. It comes immediately after death. Yeah. Um. <clears throat> The entire estate, which was worth an estimated eight to fourteen million, 
yeah. would end oh up being yeah, distributed according to Jose and Kitty's will. Jeez. Those are probate assets. They had that much money? Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. So with their money, their $250,000, um, <laughs> Lyle bought a $65,000 Porsche. Nice. Uh, and a chicken wing restaurant in Princeton, New Jersey. <laughs> Ain't nothing but a chicken wing thing. I mean, I could see you doing some stupid shit like that. I would, too. I'd yeah. buy a Popeye's. Yeah, you would. You totally fuck, fucking would. Goddamn right I yeah. would. They bought side-by-side condos in Marina del Rey. Uh, they were taking overseas vacations to London and the Caribbean. London. <clears throat> they would drive around Beverly Hills in Kitty's Mercedes, which I don't understand why that was so weird. Like, the car is sitting there. Why wouldn't you drive it? Yeah. Yeah, true. But she ain't taking it. Right? I'm just saying. Yeah. You got a why point. Is, why is it going to fucking sit there? Right. Uh, Eric got a full-time tennis coach that cost $50,000 a year. Whoa. Fuck. I should be a tennis coach. That's what I'm saying. He bought a $17,000 Jeep Wrangler and invested $40,000 in a rock concert at an L.A. stadium. What? Which nobody really understands that one. Uh, no, I don't get that. Uh, within the first month. They had spent approximately $1 million. Whoa. Now, here's the thing, though. When you get money, what is the first thing you do? You buy a bunch of shit that you couldn't buy when you you didn't have money. Yeah, of course. So now you have these two kids who have no concept of, of money. Right. They have no concept of responsibility. They have no ability whatsoever to make rational decisions. So what do you think they're going to do? Because they've been stunted the entire time. So what do you think they're going to do? They're going to go buy cars and fucking wing restaurants. That's what they're going to do. Exactly. They're 18 and 21. Yeah. What do you think we would fucking do? I'm 41 and I would fucking buy a a wing restaurant. I'm sorry. Dude, Popeyes. The first thing you do when you come into money is you buy the shit you couldn't get before. Yeah. So now that nobody's telling them no... They're right. going to buy whatever they want. Right. Just saying. Yeah. I, I hear you, sister. So, now, the the estate to be distributed. The problem is the wills couldn't be found. Mm. Okay. Okay. Eventually, they found uh, the first will, which was dated in 1980. Oh, excuse me. Oh, my God. You're yawning. They left everything to the boys. But this will was fucking, it was typed by Jose and found in a bathroom drawer. What? Why is your will in a bathroom drawer? Yeah. That's a little odd. Mm. Now, it's alleged that the newer will was on the IBM computer in the house. Okay. Um, A week before the murder, Kitty was typing up her will with her friend Karen Farrell over, which who fucking does that? Yeah. Like, um, come over, let, let's do our wills. Yeah, that'll be fun. I feel like... Let's think about our deaths. Yeah. It's just, that's just weird to yeah, me. The, um, yeah. So, she ended up, Kitty ended up telling Karen that her and Jose were essentially disinheriting the boys and taking them out of the will. When the friend said, Lyle's right down the hall, he could probably hear you, Kitty's like, yeah, we don't give a fuck because they know. We have told them. Right. In May of 1989, Jose had had a very similar conversation with his friend Carlos uh, Berolt and his wife. He talked about his disappointment in the boys 
and his plans on cutting them out of the will. Yeah. Eric and Lyle were very aware of this, that they were being disinherited and they were being cut out of the will. Yeah. So they didn't think they were getting shit. Keep that in mind. Okay. However, when Lyle heard the police were going to search the computer, he flew back to California from New Jersey and hired a computer expert in 1989. How many of those do you think there was? What's up? How many computer experts do you think there were in 1989? Not many. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not many at all. Nedlet. He asked the expert to erase documents on the computer called Eric, Lyle, and Will. <laughs> and the computer expert would later say that he thought he was deleting three files of uh, three yeah. men. You yeah. know, makes sense. Um, he wanted. Um, Lyle told them told this guy make sure they cannot be recovered and then reinstall them blank delete so that's what he did now in addition to the computers the police attempted to get eric to confess they had found his screenplay and they went and found his friend craig and convinced him to wear wire yeah now eric didn't admit to anything and finally craig was like did you do it yeah. And Eric's like, no, we didn't. He flat out denied it. So the police didn't get what they wanted. Right. Now, Eric was still seeing this therapist, Dr. Ozeal, who is a hot motherfucking dumpster fire of a mess. Really? Why do you say that? Oh, he's the reason they got caught. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So right. he he was married with children, but having multiple affairs <sighs> with patients. Oh, come on, dude. Mm-hmm. Really? Mm-hmm. What a stand-up guy. So. Great doctor. Yeah. Eric was overwhelmed with guilt and severely depressed. Mm-hmm. Uh, at a session three months after the murder, Eric went to see Dr. Ozeal. Um, to tell him that he was suicidal. Yeah. And the doctor's like, I, like, I get it. Your parents died, but you're kind of rich now. So, like, really, how bad can it be? Right. And that's when Eric said, well, Lyle and I did it. Oh. Okay. Yeah. So, according to the doctor, he said that Eric told them they planned the murder for weeks. Yeah. But he was now overwhelmed with guilt and planned to take his whole his own life. So the doctor tells Eric, well, call Lyle and tell him to come here so we can all discuss this. Oh, boy. Sir, what part of that seemed like a good idea to you? Right. They murdered their parents. You don't yeah. think they're going to murder you? Y- exactly. You fucking dipshit. Good job, Doc. Yeah. So, unbeknownst to Eric, uh, Dr. Ozeal's patient and current lover, Judalyn Smith, was in the waiting room. Lover. Lover. Lyle got to the office and was pissed. I, I believe it. Says in front of the doctor, well, now we have to fucking kill him. Good job. Eric starts crying and was like, we can't kill anybody else. No. So now, Dr. Patient Confidentiality. Let's yeah, talk, let's what about Let's talk about that? this for a minute. All right. Now, a doctor can only go to the police if a crime is 
going to happen, and the person is in immediate and imminent danger. Oh, okay. If a crime has already happened, they cannot go to the police. Really? No, that is doctor-patient confidentiality. Wow, now, okay. If somebody is in imminent danger, they can break that. They can breach the confidentiality. Okay. That makes so, sense. I I had no clue about that, but that that's yeah. interesting. So now at this point, it's the doctor who's in imminent danger. Well, yeah. Because they have threatened him. Okay. Right? Yeah. Okay. So <clears throat> I don't know why my computer just did that. Um if they had not said, if Lyle had not walked in and said, well, we have to fucking kill him, too. He, he wouldn't be in the eminent. The doctor could not legally or ethically say anything to the police right. because he is not He's in not, imminent danger, yeah. and this crime has already happened. Oh, man. Yep. So They fucked up. Well, yeah. Now, after the brothers left, um, Dr. Ozeal told his girlfriend... That they had just confessed. His lover. His patient, yeah. He then called his wife and children to tell them that they were in danger and oh, they needed geez. to leave town for a few days. Okay. He'd be fine because he's going to go stay with their, their friends, Jim and Judy. Oh, all right. Obviously, he's going to stay with his fucking girlfriend and not. Yeah, his yeah. lover. Um, so he calls his mentor, who I swear to God, I didn't write his name down, but I'm pretty sure it's Dr. Lulu. <laughs> okay. Um, really doesn't That's mean awesome. shit other than his name is Lulu. Lulu. Um, and asked him for advice. And yeah. when he called, he wasn't like the Menendez brothers just confessed. Right. He was like, "So my two patients are brothers, and they killed their parents." Like, dude, they figured it out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so he suggested that Doctor Ozeal take all of the session notes and tapes make three copies of them, and put them into three separate safe deposit boxes. Then give his lawyer the location and access to the boxes with instructions to open them if something should happen. He then suggested that Dr. Ozeal tell the brothers about the plan, which that part I don't understand. Yeah, I, I don't get that. Now, while he's making these phone calls, the brothers are in the parking lot arguing about whether or not to kill the doctor. <laughs> oh, jeez. Lyle says they have to. Eric says no, because if our therapist is dead just a couple months after our parents, the police are going to be like, hey. Um, yeah. Hmm. Now, something's up. The girlfriend would later say that the doctor was looking out the window and said to her, I wonder if they're down there plotting to kill me. Oh, my God. Uh, they were. Yeah. Yeah. They were. Yeah. Ding. Uh, a few days later, he invites them back to the office. Oh, Again, sir. What are you doing? Mm. What what the fuck are you doing? He tells them about the plan, and Lyle asked the doctor if he was afraid. To which the doctor said, "Sorry." Yawn again. Oh my god. He didn't like to live in fear, and Lyle said, "My father used to say the same thing." Oh Jesus! <laughs> Unreal. So then the doctor was like, "Okay, well, what if I give you like all of your notes?" Because yeah. they could aid in your defense. Yeah. He would say that he was genuinely trying to be helpful, but he was also hoping that it would be like a trade-off. They Ooh. wouldn't kill him. Okay. Yeah. Um, he, would, he would later say that he 
he recorded some of the sessions without the boy's knowledge to play for his girlfriend later to impress her. Oh, good job. He told her that she needed to listen to them in case something happens and that if she needed answers later, she could check the tapes. She listened to them. And then Dr. Ozeal, in all his infinite wisdom, uh, ghosted her and dumped her. And she was like, hey, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go to the fucking police. That's how they got caught. Their doctor broke up with his girlfriend and she got mad. His lover. And went to the police. That's how they got caught. Unfucking real. Don't, I'm telling you. <laughs> Unreal. Bitches are crazy. Bitches are crazy. They are cray cray. Crazy. And look what she did. Yep. Mm-hmm. Cray cray. This directly led to the March 1990 arrests of Lyle and Eric. Ooh. On March 8th, 1990, Lyle was arrested by LAPD. Uh, Eric was overseas in Israel for a tennis tournament. Israel. Three days later, he flew back and surrendered. Now, wouldn't your attorney be like, maybe you should fly maybe, to a country that doesn't extradite? Yeah, right? Yeah, not, you should get on a plane and come and back And come here. back here. No. <laughs> We're waiting for you. Yeah, great attorney. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Jeez. <laughs> not so smart, babe. <clears throat> no. Not so smart. Now, the trial, it wouldn't go to trial for three years. Yeah. Uh, there was a constant debate about the doctor-patient confidentiality issue. Yeah, The prosecution wanted the tapes in. The defense said that it violated the confidentiality. Yeah. In August of 1990, Judge James Albright ruled against the defense, stating that when Lyle threatened to kill the doctor, he forfeited their rights to confidentiality. Because now the doctor... They turn around, the defense turns around and says, well, the doctor made it up uh, to, you know, to give an excuse as to why he broke yeah, confidentiality. Makes sense. So this decision was then appealed and it delayed the case for two years. Wow. In August of 1992, the Supreme Court of California ruled that most of the tapes would be admissible with the exception of Eric's taped recording uh, confessions and details of the murders. Wow. Now, this led to an L.A. County grand jury issuing indictments. Okay. December of 1992, Lyle and Eric were officially charged with two counts of uh, first-degree murder while lying in wait, Mm -hmm. which is hiding with the intent of murdering or causing grave bodily harm to someone. Yeah. And one count of conspiracy to commit murder. Um, it's alleged they only charged the one count as opposed to the two, mm-hmm. so they would have something to fall back on if oh, it didn't yeah. go through. That makes total makes sense. sense. Yeah. yeah. Um, now, this case became a national sensation because oh, it was yeah. broadcast on court TV. Yes, it was. So <clears throat> their attorneys try, they're trying to go for the, what they call imperfect self-defense. Mm-hmm. Have you heard of this? No. Okay. So this is homicide through an honest and reasonable belief that deadly force is necessary to protect one's life. Wow. Now, it is a form of voluntary manslaughter. Okay. But this is like somebody approaches you in a dark alley and you think they have a gun and you shoot them 
and it turns out they had a cell phone. Oh, geez. You had an honest and reasonable belief that you were that you in needed harm. death, deadly force to yeah. save your own life. Okay. So the the danger doesn't have to be imminent necessarily, but the defendants need to prove that they believed the threat was imminent. Wow. So this is okay. based on the thought process of a reasonable person, a normal everyday Joe Schmo, not an attorney, not anything like that. So. That's what they went with. Now, attorney Leslie Abramson wanted to prove this, which would, if if this defense was accepted, it would make the brothers ineligible for anything other than voluntary manslaughter. Wow. On August 14th, 1993, the trial starts with the defense's opening statements. The brothers stated that they killed their parents out of fear for their lives after years of abuse at the hands of their parents, especially Jose, who was described as a cruel perfectionist and pedophile who sexually abused both boys. Yeah, I believe it. Yeah. Kitty was described as a mentally unstable alcoholic and pill popper who encouraged Jose's behavior and was also violent towards the brothers. I totally believe it. Abramson claimed that due to the abuse, the boys had grown increasingly paranoid, and in the weeks and days leading up to the murders, they were truly convinced their parents were going to kill them. Yeah. Now, in this trial, Eric and Lyle were being tried simultaneously with two different juries and two different defense teams. Mm -hmm. Leslie Abramson headed the team for Eric, and Joe Lansing headed the team for Lyle. Both pled not guilty to first-degree murder. Now, people ask, how can you plead not guilty? That We know they did it. Yeah. So you're not pleading innocent. Okay. You are, if you plead guilty, you don't get a trial. Okay. You you automatically, you just get sentenced. Yeah. The non-guilty plea comes out because it then becomes the state's burden to prove that that these things happened. Right. So Abramson opened up with, basically, everybody knows who did it. But we're going to show you why they did it. Right. She was, um, she she was something. Um, she would constantly object and then get pissed when it was overruled, but like, like loudly. Yeah. It was all it was all for the jury, you know. Right, right. She would say multiple times that the judge's decisions were biased. Yeah. He would threaten to hold her in contempt of court. And she's like, well, then I guess you're going to hold me in contempt of court. I guess we're going to jail. Your shit's biased. Right. So the jury could hear it. Oh, my God. The trial lasted 20 weeks, had 101 witnesses. Wow. 405 exhibits. Oh, my God. 85 days of testimony. Jeez. Three of those days were Abramson's closing arguments alone. Wow. Now, several of these witnesses testified to the abuse, including two cousins. Yeah. Uh, Diane Vandermolen testified to the 1976 conversation um, with Lyle and said, um, went on to say that he told her he was afraid to sleep in bed with Jose because they had been touching each other, quote, down there. Andy Kano was another cousin. Um, he testified that he was told by Eric um, about, quote, penis massages when they were oh, kids. Jesus. Both defense teams presented a picture of Lyle and Eric's genitalia that was allegedly taken by Jose when they were kids. Oh, my God. It, babe, it's, it's bad. Um, 
The prosecution ignored all the abuse and said the murders were done for financial gain. I, I don't think so. No, I don't think so either, I, especially because the defense... People, people are probably not going to agree with that, but I, I just... No, well, the defense turned around and said that the brothers were under the assumption they weren't even in the will. Right. That they weren't getting any life insurance. Right. So in September of 1993, Lyle takes the stand. He testifies that Jose molested him from the ages of six to eight, and Kitty bathed him until his late teenage years, and he was then forced to sleep in the same bed with her and fondle her. Jesus. He went on to say that he just assumed that this happened to all little boys, and that Jose told him that this is how Roman soldiers did it. What the fuck? When they figured out that something wasn't right, they didn't go to the police for fear that no one would believe them because Jose was rich and powerful. They would ask friends and family members, like, does this happen to you at home? Dude, and what the they're fuck? They're like, N- no. No, that's not normal. And then Lyle's Hello? hardest part on the stand was when he talked about uh, when Eric was six, he took him out to the woods and molested him with a toothbrush. Oh, my God. They had several doctors get on the stand to say that this was learned behavior and he was just mimicking his father's actions. Yeah. In response to this... I totally believe that. One of the prosecutors, Pam... Bozanich stated... Pam or Pan? Pan with an N? She stated, quote, men cannot be raped because they lack the necessary equipment to be raped. That's bullshit. What? That's total bullshit. You guys can't help a hard-on. Right. Uh, You can be in distress all you want. You can't help a hard-on. Right. Yeah. Uh, Eric then testified <clears throat> that he had also been molested and raped by Jose from the ages of 6 to 18. Oh, my God. So at the time of the murder, Eric is still being molested. Yeah. By his mother and his father. Dude. Weeks prior to the murders, Eric graduated high school and had been accepted into UCLA. Now, it was required for freshmen to live on campus, so Eric was like, fuck Yes, I'm uh, getting I'm out. out of here. Yep. Jose was Deuces. like, mm, nope. Ugh. Jose paid for the dorm for a year and said, here's your money, but he's going to be staying at home. Wow. Eric was devastated and depressed, obviously. Yeah. He went upstairs to pack a bag and planned on staying with a friend for a couple days. When Kitty came upstairs and threw all of his clothes on the floor and told him he wasn't going anywhere. Yeah. Jose heard the fight and came in and started yelling at Eric while shoving him. Eric shoved Jose back and ran out of the house. Two days after that, Lyle and Kitty got into a fight. And in her anger, she pulled off Lyle's toupee. Oh, man. Eric was down the hall and saw the whole thing. Oh, dude, that's brutal. This is reported two different ways. This is reported that... This was the night that the two of them confessed to each other that they had been being molested. Yeah. That they didn't know before then. Yeah. Another report says, Eric says this is when he admits that he's still being molested. Yeah. So they, when Eric realized he didn't know that Lyle wore a toupee, they vowed to never keep secrets from each other again. Right, right. Um, Lyle said he would repeatedly ask Jose if he was doing anything to Eric, and Jose was like, no. I'm not, you know. 
Yeah. So the night after this, Jose came back from a business trip and Lyle confronted him. Jose told him to stay out of it. It's none of his business what Jose does with his son. Lyle called him a fucking sick person and threatened to tell everyone if he continued to molest Eric. Um, Lyle would then testify that this is when his fear of being killed by Jose started because he knew, Jose knew that Lyle would ruin him. Um, <clears throat> now, a reporter would state that when the boys testified about the abuse, they seemed genuine. Yeah. And he believed them, but it seemed when they spoke about the confrontations, they seemed exaggerated. Yeah. Almost as if they they had to elaborate when they didn't have to kind of thing. They thought right. they had to. So, the day after this confrontation, the brothers drove to San Diego and stopped at a sporting goods store. And when they asked the salesperson about guns and self-defense, he's like, buy these shotguns. Oh, boy. (laughs) Okay. Sure. Mm. So they go on a boating trip on August 19th, and Eric and Lyle are convinced that Jose and Kitty were going to throw them off the boat and kill them. Yeah. But there were too many people on the boat. Kitty got pissed. Whatever. Later that night, Jose started banging on Eric's door which he had locked, so Eric grabbed the shotgun and waited for him to walk in, saying he vowed that he was never going to let Jose in his room again. Yeah. On August 20th, Eric woke up that Sunday morning with a feeling like an implosion was about to happen. He went to church in Santa Monica, came home after dark, and Lyle was waiting for him to tell him Kitty had said they couldn't go out tonight. Yeah. Um they thought that this was a sign for sure that something was going to happen. Now, the prosecution is like, you were 21 and 18. You were you were grown men. Why didn't you leave home? Well, probably for the same uh, reason that the 18-year-old is still being fucking molested. Mo- because they're terrified. Right. They're emotionally stunted. They don't know what to do. No. They don't know what else to do. Nope. So, they tried to leave the house for fear of their lives, they said. Mm-hmm. Kitty stopped them. Jose appeared and sent Eric to his room and said he'd be up there in a minute. That's when Lyle tells Jose, you're not going to touch my brother. Jose charged at him, saying he'll do whatever he wants, and Kitty told Lyle that he ruined the family. So they go downstairs and go into the den, Jose and Kitty. Now, they go to the den and they close the door, which both Lyle and Eric say is very abnormal for them. And they were convinced that this was kill or be killed, that they were plotting their murders. So they ran down the stairs and stormed the den, blindly shooting. Eric would testify that he thought Jose was standing at the time, but also said that he started blindly shooting and that shit was flying everywhere. The sound was deafening and you couldn't tell who was firing at who. Dr. Ozeal would get on the stand and say Eric was vulnerable and suggestible while Lyle was a sociopath, which I wholeheartedly believe. Oh, yeah, without a doubt. Um, The defense put experts on the stand to say that abused children usually suffer from PTSD, Mm -hmm. which makes them more susceptible to fear and anxiety, along with an irrational fear of their lives being in danger. Yeah, absolutely. The prosecution would say repeatedly that Jose and Kitty were sitting in the den watching TV, so there was no reason for them to believe that their lives were in danger and that they were adults and could leave the house whenever they wanted. 
The defense argued back that after years of abuse, the boys were incapable of making rational adult decisions and instilled a fear in them, altering their perception of imminent danger. So Dr. Ozeal testified that Eric and Lyle confessed that they had planned on killing their father for weeks and Kitty was essentially collateral damage because she wasn't going to be able to survive without Jose. Uh, He said they also stated that they had gotten away with the perfect murder. The defense says absolutely not. Um, He used this as an excuse for breaching doctor-patient confidentiality. And Eric said the doctor told him he wouldn't tell anyone if they, quote, went into business together. Mm. Uh, The State Board of Psychology ended up revoking his license due to the unauthorized taping of the sessions, along with other ethical violations with other patients. Yeah, you think? Uh, Like fucking them. Love us. Yeah, like fucking them. Right. So Eric was very emotional, suicidal on medication and was upset that he was being portrayed as a spoiled rich kid, um, that people didn't see the backside of it. Right. Uh, After five days of deliberation, both juries came back stating that they were unable to come to a unanimous decision resulting in a hung jury for both men. Yep. Now, Abramson would give a public plea for donations to the Eric Menendez Legal Fund to cover costs for the second trial. Oh, wow. Because the first trial had cost $1.495 million. Whoa! $1 million. And after the taxes and upkeep of the family properties were paid, only $700,000 remained of the estate. Wow. In August of 1995, the second trial begins with the same judge. However, this time, there's no cameras. They are going to be tried together. And based off a legal decision by the Supreme Court from an unrelated case, the judge limited testimony about the sexual abuse and took manslaughter off the table. Unfucking real. the abuse was irrelevant to the case. Are you fucking kidding me? That's the whole point. That's the whole defense. The DA's office was essentially a laughing stock for losing the first trial. And DA Gil Garcetti, or Setti, flat out said he wouldn't lose a second time. Of course. So yeah. there is obviously theories that there was corroboration between the DA and the judge. I could believe basically, it. Basically, because this was O.J. Simpson. The same time. Rodney King. Yeah, the this same was time like as all that. The officers who beat Rodney King had gotten off just months yes. prior to this. So this was a big fucking to-do. Yeah. And the LAPD looked terrible. Yeah. So now the prosecution was focusing more on the brutality of the crime. Lyle didn't testify which made his attorneys unable to introduce any evidence of abuse. Oh, Jesus. Now, Eric testified for seven days. Wow. Now, most of the same witnesses were brought on, but they were now testifying to physical abuse, more so than sexual abuse, because they said they couldn't bring that in. Yeah. Uh, Doctor got on the stand and said that uh, he suffered from battered person syndrome and PTSD. Yeah. However... This doctor had been instructed to edit his notes by Abramson. Wow. Which was huge. Yeah. Because the prosecution had the original draft. And they said, where is this piece? Okay. And he said, she made me take it out. Yeah. Now, in 1999, she ended up being cleared of all wrongdoing due to lack of evidence by Mm -hmm. the state board. Right. 
Now, in March, uh, excuse me, March 20th of 1996, both men were found guilty of first-degree premeditated murder while lying in wait. Dude, I, I just don't know if I agree with I, it. Yeah. So the imperfect self-defense instructions were not given because the judge said that there was not sufficient evidence. Mm-hmm. Theories obviously are coming out about the judge and the DA. Uh, both filed motions for a mistrial claiming they suffered irreversible damage in the penalty phase as a result of possible misconduct and ineffective representation by Abramson. Yeah. Because she represented them both in the right, in right. The penalty phase. All their appeals were denied. They were sent to separate prisons, and for the first time in their life, they were separated. Eric went to Folsom Prison and would later be sent to Pleasant Valley, and Lyle was sent to Mule Creek Prison. In February of 2018, they were moved to the same prison, but different units. Oh, really? On April 4th of 2018, they were moved into the same unit. Wow. And they, this unit was reserved for inmates who agreed to participate in education and rehabilitation programs without disruptions. Yeah. These two have completely, completely changed. Yeah. They hold meditation groups and they teach classes wow. and they um, <clears throat> um, counsel new inmates. And it's, it's insane, Dude, the difference. They, they went through so much. Now, in May of 2023 both eric and lyle filed documents seeking a new hearing based on newly discovered evidence um <clears throat> excuse me that showed jose had molested boy band member roy rosello really this came as a result of roy being on the today show that aired on april 18th of 2023 where roy stated that jose menendez had drugged him and raped him when he visited their no New Jersey home shit. when he was 14. No shit. Yes. Now, another woman has come out since. <clears throat> Her son has since passed, but he was pen pals with the boys. Yeah. And he had a letter, I believe it was from, maybe it was Eric, where from when they were in high school. And Eric said that he couldn't stand his dad coming in his room and it's still happening and his dad is so overweight it makes him sick and he just wants it to stop he doesn't want it to keep happening anymore wow so he's writing to another teenage boy about this so you think he made this shit up right yeah right they're both still in jail obviously um Mm. lyle has been married twice really yeah do you want to know why he got divorced the first time why he was cheating how she caught him writing letters to another woman oh yikes how that'll do it (laughs) now eric has been married since like 98 that's crazy and is still like in love with this woman and she's in love with him and they wrote a book and like yeah they got married married over the phone i I don't i don't get that it blows my mind they got married over the phone and do you want to know why they can do that why? I forgot the name of the rule, but they made it a rule so Navy seamen can get married on the ships. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's interesting. So they're still in jail and happily married. <laughs> but, but they're together in jail now. I, babe, I just... I They went through so much. I, 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 I'm sorry. wholeheartedly believe that the abuse happened and it was as bad as they I, say I that it, it was. I think it just got 100%. too much. Mm-hmm. I, I just think it got too much. And I, I think they... Tr- I 
the more I read it and the more I listen to things and read things and watch things, the more I think that they truly believed they were in imminent danger yeah. that night. I truly believe I, that. I do too. If, I really do. If anything, at least Eric yeah. thought for sure. And whether it was because Lyle was telling him that, I truly believe he thought that they were going to kill him that night. And that's why they did it. Oh, what a story. Mm-hmm. What a story. Yeah. It's fucked well, up. It's completely fucked but up. But family, like, family would say that when they were, you know, younger, when people were at their house, if Jose was upstairs with one of the boys, you weren't allowed to go up there no matter what you heard. Right. You couldn't go in the rooms. You couldn't go upstairs. Like. Right. No. It happened. They they went through too much. It, it 100% happened. Yeah. I, so. I totally believe that. Yeah. Yep. But uh, we got to wrap it up because football practice. Mm-hmm. So, but, um, you know, and it's a shame too because I was going to say a chemistry joke, but oh my God. I don't know if it was going to get get a reaction. Oh, my God. <laughs> and we're done. <laughs> All right, guys. Mm-hmm. I hope you enjoyed the story. Um, I hope you enjoyed this episode 100. We made it. Thank you guys so much for your support. Please like, follow, share. Patreons, thank you guys so much for your your support and everything. We love you guys. You're family. You're the best. Yeah. Um, The next episode, the Patreon episode, like I said, it's already recorded. So it'll be out tomorrow probably. I'll I'll let it go. So, yeah. But thank you guys again. And uh, we will be talking to you soon. Bye. Bye. I can't find where to turn it off. (laughs) That sums it up. I still can't find where to turn it (laughs) off. You guys are in for it. Can you come over and help me? This was a great ending. can't find the little mouse right oh there's the what's so special about hero bread soft fluffy and delicious breads buns and tortillas these ultra low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar fewer calories and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health shop now at hero.co